It's time with Pastor Mike Kessler starts now. This is It's Time, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship, home of CSN International, featuring Pastor Mike Kessler, Senior Pastor at the River. Today, Pastor Mike is going to be teaching in the book of 1 Samuel. Located way back in the Old Testament, the books of 1 and 2 Samuel are the legacy that reveals the change from God-appointed judges over the people to the kingdom era, where the Jews are ruled over by a king both a departure from God's ways and a foreshadow of God's ways. With our study on the book of 1 Samuel, here's Pastor Mike. And if you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of 1 Samuel. Again, this is an intriguing book. We look at the life of David, and we see how God used David in midst of his own problems and issues of his life. Friends, I'd like to think there's always a time in our life when we get super spiritual enough for God to use us. But you know, the more I study the Bible, the more I become aware that simply it's just God's goodness and uh, towards us, His grace, His mercy that allows us to do anything for God. So tonight we're going to continue our study looking at Sam. We're going to do a little bit of review tonight in, in uh, chapter 27. Uh, let's pray. Father, as we go to your word, we thank you that you speak to us through it. We ask you now that, God, you would just direct our thoughts and our hearts towards you. God, that we would see that even in this man, David, that you love so much, we see in his failures, God, that restorative process that you do when we turn to you. And so, Father, tonight, as we would read, may your Holy Spirit bless, encourage, and heal in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, again, David was a man after God's own heart, but certainly, as we study the scripture, far from perfect. A fact, friends, the more you read, the more you realize what a rascal David was. But God loved David, and David understood when he had erred what he needed to do. Unlike Saul, that we'll read about in a few more weeks, Saul, who falls on his own sword and dies, uh, or actually maybe wounds himself and doesn't die and actually has somebody else finish him off, when David did wrong, he turned back to God with his whole heart, and God healed him. We find in this particular place in scripture concerning David's life, some of his most dark days, because we remember that he was running from Saul. God had really pulled the kingdom from Saul, the first king of Israel, and had anointed David to be the next king. But Saul understood that. And so rather than allowing God to carry out his purpose, Saul, on the other hand, decided he would take matters in his own hand and try to kill David. And we usually see this uh, with anybody Uh, that has an anointing of God on their life. There's always a desire of the enemy to stop them or kill them, ruin them or whatever. And we find it all the way through the Bible and it never seems to, never seems to end. Jesus said it like this, in this world you will have tribulation. And so if you have tribulation in your life tonight, all I can say is you belong to God. And that's the bottom line. And if you don't have tribulation, hmm. (laughs) And actually there's an element of truth. Because again, friends, when you study the New Testament, you find that those that preach the gospel were always under attack. They were always under, and there's a lot of people who think they're Christians. There are a lot of people who think they have fruit in their life. But you know, when you really examine it, there's really nothing there. And what is there has been taken from somebody else. And so I believe that there's a time in our lives where we really have to look and and really decide where we're going in life. And I think this is why David 
was allowed to be in the position that he was in. Actually, all the things that had happened. So Saul is pursuing David to kill him. And finally, David just, and by the way, God had always protected David in Israel. No matter what it was, God always fought for David. In fact, we remember even when Saul, to get out of the heat of the day in Israel, he, he, uh, in, in, in Gedi, he went into this cave and further down in the cave, David and his men were camped out from the heat of the day. Saul came in. Some people believe it says to do his business, whether it was uh, to do his business or whether it was to sleep or whatever. But David cut off a piece of his garment. And when David, when Saul got some distance away from the cave, then David came out of the cave and his men saying, uh, you know, look, I could have killed you. And we always find Saul saying, oh, my son, you know, I will not seek to persecute you or kill you anymore. And then the next chapter, we find Saul back at it again. There's something uh, of the underworld that would continue to stir him up. Well, uh, again, as you look at this, you find that finally David had had it, even though God had always protected him. David, um, uh, probably living in the fear of it all, goes to the land of the Philistines. And there he seeks refuge to get away from Saul. And so it says uh, here in verse 27, you might want to look at this. And David said in his heart, now I will perish someday at the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. And Saul will despair of me to seek me anymore and any part of Israel, so I shall escape out of his hand. And David went and rose, uh, him and his 600 men uh, were with him to Achish, um, king of Gath. And David dwelt with Achish uh, of Gath and his men, each man uh, with his household, and David with his two wives, Anuhim and Abigail. And it was told to Saul that David had fled to Gath, so he sought him no more. And then David said to Asius, if I have found favor in your sight, uh, let me uh, give to me some place in the country where I may dwell there, uh, literally with his, all of his men and his, their families and everything. Uh, for why should your servant dwell in a royal city with you? In other words, he didn't feel worthy to do that. But actually, David didn't want him looking over his shoulder. So uh, it tells us here that Asius gave him Ziglag to that day. Therefore, Ziglag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. And actually, it was formerly part of Israel, and they had lost it to the Philistines. Well, we read that so that when now that we read chapter 29, it'll make a little more sense because now we find the Philistine army coming up against Israel and wondering if David and his men will go out and fight against his own homeland. Now, this puts David in a very difficult position. And friends, this is one of the reasons why, again, I always like to encourage people in this way, saying that God is bigger than the things you've done wrong. And the reason why that is, is because we find David here, for whatever reason, I've read a lot of commentaries on this, and some people believe that David was genuinely angry at Israel because of the way they treated him, and especially as we remember a couple uh, nights back that was we were studying that uh, when he went to the Kenites, uh, they had invaded, uh, and so David fought them off, and um, uh, then David prayed and said, well, will the Kenites give me to Saul? And God says, yeah, they'll give you to Saul. And so David was angry with that because here he had defended one of the cities of Israel, and yet the people were still not loyal to David for uh, his deliverance to them. So some people believe that David was genuinely angry at Israel and Saul. Others believe that David didn't know what else to do, so he just shows up on the day that they're all going to go out to battle, believing maybe that in some way God would do something. We find here that David responds to the king saying, yes, you know, I'll go out and fight against Israel. 
And so this puts David in a very difficult position because he's anointed to be the next king over Israel and now he's fighting the very nation that he is by God recognized to be the next king. Have you ever found yourself in life where things are just weird? (laughs) Well, this is a good place where we find things are just weird. And you understand that a lot of times as you follow God, that you don't always understand everything that's going on. And that's why a lot of people have trouble in their Christian experience with faith. Because, again, we like to have everything lined out. We like to have our picket fences all in a row and don't you jumble those up. And what happens is God comes in and what happens, I believe why God keeps us this way, is so that we don't trust in our plans, but rather in God who directs our footsteps. Again, it's interesting that man likes to trust in something. Well, I'm going to do this, and then this is going to happen, and then this is going to happen, and then this is going to happen. And then God goes, oh yeah, watch this. And he jumbles it all up. He says, now you're going to trust me. And you'd think that a lot of times that God would use our best skills for his kingdom. Sometimes he does, and we find that in the Bible, but sometimes he doesn't. You know, I always am amazed when I look at um, that uh, God sent Paul, Pharisee, son of a Pharisee, And you know the zeal that was in Paul's heart uh, for the Jews. You'd think God would have sent Paul to the Jews. But you know, the Bible very clearly, several times, says that God sent Paul to the Gentiles. Now that's that's weird. And in fact, you often find Paul trying to get back to Jerusalem to, in fact, where he got arrested and ended up even before Nero over a period of events. Uh, You you find that that, uh, Paul um, was sent to the Gentiles. There's some people that actually believe that Paul was maybe, uh, and you might say God's will, but he was not in his perfect will because God sent him to the Gentiles. In fact, everywhere Paul went, he was warned, don't go to Jerusalem. Now, why do you think the Spirit was telling him not to go to Jerusalem? If he wasn't supposed to go to Jerusalem, that's just a thought. But he went there, but God didn't abandon Paul. God understood Paul's zeal for his own people. In fact, he be, being one of them, I genuinely believed he thought he could win them uh, for Jesus. Instead of approaching God through the rules and the Ten Commandments and the regulations that no man could keep. So he was really sent to the Gentiles. Then you find Peter who was kind of a man's man, kind of, you know, rough around the edges. He was, an, he was a fisherman. Now that's a kind of a Gentile, heathen kind of guy. Now that's the guy you would send to the Gentiles. God goes, no, I'm going to send you to the Jews. You go, but you know why God does that? I believe, again, it's so that we will not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, as it says in First Corinthians, Second uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. So we understand then that God keeps us sometimes this way. We find David in a very much of a quandary right now, having to go out and fight against his own people. Again, some people, again, believing that he genuinely was angry with Israel because of what they had done. Other people believing that David, because of this uh, inopportunity that he was in, and actually we remember in this city that we read back in chapter 27 that he was in in, 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 in uh, as, as he camped out in Ziglag, he would go out and he would, um, him and his 600 men, they would go out and, and ravage the countryside, not against Israel, but they'd go out and attack Israel's enemies and weaken them. And the king would come by and see all the neat, you know, Porsches and stuff they got, you know, well, all the horses and all that stuff. Where'd you get all this stuff? Oh yeah, well, we went and attacked the 
cities of Israel. And this is where we got it. And so the king goes away saying, yes, uh, David really is against Israel. But David was lying. He was really conquering the the enemies of Israel, these other uh, uh, nations around them. And bringing the stuff back. And so now they're going up against Israel and David shows up. So it says, verse 29, Then the Philistines gathered together all their armies at Apex. In Israel it's encamped by the fountain which is in Jezreel, in uh, Israeli territory. And the Lord of the Philistines passed in review by the hundreds and by the thousands. But David and his men passed in review in the rear of Achish. And the princes of the Philistines said, What are these Hebrews doing here? And Achish said to the princes of the Philistines, Is this not David, the servant of uh, the Saul, the king of Israel, who has been with me these days or these years? And to this day I have found no fault in him he, since he's defected to me. And the princes of the Philistines were angry with him. So the princes of the Philistines said to him, Make this fellow return, that he may go back to the place which you have appointed for him. And don't let him go down to battle with us, lest the battle he, in the middle of the battle he becomes our adversary. For with what could he reconcile himself to his master if he was not in the, with the heads of these men? He's saying, listen, right in the middle of battle... He's gonna, he's gonna turn on us, and he's gonna look like a hero to the king of Israel, and, and we're gonna be the, we're gonna be the ones that got slaughtered. Um, verse five, they gave a little history lesson here. And is this not the David of whom they cry and sang one to another? Saul has slain his thousands, but David is ten thousands? And the thousands that he slain was us? <laughs> He'd be killing people. He'd be killing us. You know, we got a problem here. And so what's he doing here? And do you really want to take the chance of going into battle with him and having him change their mind? Now, friends, I'll tell you something that I see in this. I realize that God inspires thoughts and ideas in people's hearts and minds. I believe that this, that they were speaking, was no doubt inspired of God. Now, what's interesting is the power of God is very unique. And remember, when you're God's property, you come into a different world than just existing in the world every day. And certainly we find, even in the most wicked men, and I I think sometimes as we look at this, you see different things. We we remember that Saul... um, uh, was a very evil man, did very evil things, but yet he could prophesy with the prophets. Now, what is interesting about that to me is that God can use whatever servant or person that he wants to use. And in fact, if that person or servant is unwilling, God can speak through donkeys. So uh, again, uh, it tells me a little bit about the 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 power of God even over humans that sometimes as they would play this through in their mind or their thought patterns that God may have given them those thoughts, they react upon those thoughts and said, don't send David into battle. He might turn on us in the middle of battle. Do you think that was just a thought of theirs? Or do you think God put that in their minds to keep David from having to go against the very nation in which he was anointed to be the next king over? See? And so here's the point. You say, well, where are you going with this? Whether David was in Israel 
running from Saul and God was protecting him, or whether David was in the land of the Philistines and God was putting thoughts in these people's minds so that he would not have to go fight against, it tells me God is God. And God is not limited to territorial boundaries. But wherever it is that you go, the Spirit of God goes. And because you're a child of His, God will protect you. And I believe that, friends, it doesn't really matter what the devil will throw at you. God is able to protect you in the calling in which He has called you to. Uh, again, when we accept Christ as our Savior, and oftentimes we, we, we become so academic in, in that phraseology. Have you accepted Jesus as our Savior? <laughs> yes, I have. Well, okay, what are we saying there? I've turned my life over to Him. I've, I've surrendered the title deed, the pink slip, if you will, of my life over to God. We become God's property. Now, there are times in which we want to send the repossession man out and say, God, thank you. I'm going to do my own thing for a while here. Thank you very much. And even in that, and anybody here that's ever backslid away from God, and friends, that's what a backslide is. That's where you say, okay, I understand the God of plan, uh, God's plan for my life. I, I thank you very much for that. But I'm going to take a walk on the wild side, and I'll check back with you. Just let me know when, you know. And God goes, no. And that's why a person that is really backslid from the Lord still knows God. And, and if you think about it in your life, even there, there are things, you know, you're, you're not walking with the Lord the way you should and you drive by a church and you, and then, and then you have somebody come up to you and, and here you're, you're not even walking with the Lord and they go, man, do you know anything about this Jesus thing? I, I got to get right with God. And you're going, well, yeah, I do. And we're going, oh no, wait a minute. There's a contradiction in my life. You see, I believe that David was in this place. And so, friends, again, a lot of times we think, well, that Bible that was written a long time ago can't possibly relate with what I am going through right now in my life. (laughs) Friends, I believe that God has a way of relating with what's going on with you more than knowing more of what's going on in your life right now than you know what's going on in your life. David was a person that was torn. You see, David was a person that had been distanced because of his relationship with his God through the circumstances of life. Friends, that happens. I've talked to so many people that say, well, you know, I, uh, I, I used to go to church. You know, I was doing good and I, I lost my company and I got mad at God and now me and God are mad at each other and, rah, 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 and they have their excuses why they can be mad at God. Or my, you know, my child died or whatever. And there's a lot of really, I gotta say, good excuses. But not right excuses. So David is now in a quandary. He's having to fight against the very nation that he is sworn to protect. And they are rehearsing the top 40 tunes of Israel. Casey Gates of American top 40. Saul is 8,000, then David is 10,000, and then be us. There's a problem here. And so he reminds him, well then, verse 6, Then Asius called David and said to him, Surely as the Lord lives, you have been upright, and your goings out and your comings in with me uh, in the army is good in my sight. For to this day I have not found evil in you since the day of your coming to me. Nevertheless, the lords do not favor you. 
Therefore, return now, go in peace, that you may not displease the Lord of the Philistines. David said to Asius, but what have I done? Now, I don't know whether David is chiding with him here or whether David is serious here. Now, a lot of times we don't know. Now, we can say, well, we can just take this. But we also remember that David lied to Asius and said, I've been out pillaging the towns of Israel when he was really pillaging the enemies of Israel. When the king said, where did you get all this stuff? So David now says, Therefore, return now, go in peace, that you may not displease the Lord of listening. David said to Asius, but what have I done? And to this day, what have you found in your servant as long as I have been with you, that I may not go out and fight the enemies of my Lord the king? But Asius answered and said to David, I know that you are as good in my sight as an angel of God. I'm always amazed how people that are profane can be spiritual. Here you've got this Lord of the Philistine who is... Profane. One of the reasons why uh, God wanted them annihilated is because they were they were worshippers of false gods, and so now you find uh, this king saying, "You're like an angel of God to me." Nevertheless, the princes of the Philistines have said, "He shall not go up with us to battle." Now, therefore, rise early in the morning with your uh, with your master's servants who have come with you, and as soon as you are up early in the morning and have light, depart. So David and his men rose up early to depart in the morning and to return to the land of the Philistines. And the Philistines went up to Jezreel. Now again, remembering where Jezreel was. Now, the reason, there's several things going on here. First of all, this is where, in this battle that is coming, this one that where the Philistines are ready to go out, this is where Saul is killed. This is where uh, a, a, an archer shoots an arrow and, 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 and hits Saul and Saul is wounded. He's afraid of falling into the hands of the Philistines. And so what he does is he asks somebody to kill him because he's wounded. They said no. So, so he tries, he falls on his own sword. He tries to commit suicide and he doesn't do that right. Just so happens a guy's walking along, some kid walking along and he says, Hey, you come over here. Okay. Come over. This is my paraphrase. Comes over here and says, well, what do you want? He says, cut my head off. You know, kill me. Why should I kill you? Uh, The thing is, you know, so anyway, he was an Amalekite. Now, what's interesting, you have an Amalekite killing Saul ultimately. Now, what did God tell Saul to go originally do? To go kill all the Amalekites. I look at this interestingly enough, is if you don't kill your enemy, your enemy will kill you. And so this Amalekite that came along is the one that finally did Saul in. And the reason why God tore the kingdom from Saul's hand is because when he returned from that battle where he was supposed to kill everything, Saul did not obey the Lord and he kept the best of the livestock and all that and even brought Agag, the king of the, uh, of, of the Amalekites, back alive. And, uh, he, and Saul, Samuel said to him, he says, what have you done? He says, well, I did just what the Lord said. And he goes, well, then what's all this bleeding of sheep uh, I hear in my ears? If, if you did what God tells you to do, the evidence would be obvious and you didn't do what God said to do. So therefore, now God has taken the kingdom out of your hand. He goes, well, uh, I wanted to sacrifice these to the Lord. And Samuel says, to obey is greater than to sacrifice. 
If you've missed any part of today's episode, I'd like to invite you to grab the free podcast of its time by hopping on the iTunes store and downloading your own copy. If you like having the disc, you can give us a call at 800-357-4226 to place your order for First Samuel. From Pastor Mike, myself, and all of us here at the River, thanks for tuning in to It's Time.